0: Thank you and enjoy today's message.
1: Well, good morning and welcome and uh, I pray today grace and favour that surrounds you and is around you will touch your life and you'll be blessed. Uh, The subject matter we want to deal with this morning I cannot claim to be an expert in, Um, not that I would have the audacity to say that I'm an expert in any of the other stuff we talk about, but... I probably some of it feel a little more comfortable and a little more uh, connected and informed, but I know this is an important thing to talk about today. So I'm going to give what um, what's in my heart, and uh, and this all of this that we put together, like the hamsters on the wheel, actually springs out of that because I want to talk to you about being off center. Um, in the video, there it's very interesting because. Ultimately, the spinning wheel, which they started and is feeding off their energy, takes them beyond their ability to keep up, and they get flung off. And the truth is that every one of them has become a participator in their own downfall by the very way that they are engaging with the circumstances of the life that they live. And the truth is, for all of us, we spend way too much of our focus and energy living life on the peripheral. And what you witnessed was what happens when you live life on the peripheral. And and we get consumed with running around our existence, fixing the peripherals, when we should be seeking to find and live in the centre. Using the idea of a spinning object, which is so true to life. Because life is, you go to bed, you wake up, you get up, you have your coffee, you get dressed, you clean your teeth, you go to work, you have your lunch, you go to work again. You finish work, you have your tea, you come home, you do stuff, and you go to bed. And so it goes, so all of us are in this cycle, but life is like that. Life works like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's about how we address the situation of the realities of life that are common to every one of us, whether it's in our relationships, in our functionality, in what it is. We address that issue of the dangers of the hamster on the wheel. And the truth is, the further you get from the centre, the faster things spin and begin to race. And part of what I'm trying to get through to you, which again, I'm still learning in this issue, that the further we get from whatever can be considered to be the centre of life, the faster things spin and the harder they race. And so I know for every one of us, some of you uh, right now feel you are right on the edge of that wheel, like the hamster's completely out of control, you've run as fast as you can, and and the whole thing's taken over, you can't run any faster, you're at the mercy of now the spinning wheel, and uh, you keep getting thrown off at the most unfortunate times. I know that's the case, but what I'm trying to look at is there is an enduring life principle of the necessity to find and live in the centre. Did you notice what happened to the wise and blessed hamsters that found and occupied the centre? They actually were not subject to the same effects as those that were living on the peripheral. And isn't it interesting that we talk about life and circumstances spinning out of control? We use that phrase, oh, I just feel as though everything at the moment is spinning out of control. But you see, that statement not only describes how we see the world at that time, it also reveals what we think the answer is to the spinning. We think the answer is control. Because our statement is, Life seems to be spinning out of control. So we think the answer to spinning out of control is control. So so what we do is we embark on a damage limitation exercise through seeking to exert control, but you're trying to exert control over something you can't control because the world keeps spinning, whether you like it or not. I'm not going to use all the lyrics of Billy Joel's song But the world keeps spinning, it keeps on burning and it keeps spinning, it keeps going. The issue is not that you can stop the nature of spinning any more than you can stop night going into day, going into night, going into day, any more than you can stop the solar system going around the sun or the moon going around the earth. You cannot interfere with that process because it is the circle of life or the cycle of life. So the answer is not control. But that's what we try and exert to solve the problem. We think control is the answer, and that we can then just hang on and hope that it stops. But control is not the answer. The solution, I believe, rests in two things. And these are those two things. Living a life that is centred, and creation itself speaks volumes about this, and a willingness to engage in the reconciliation of opposites. This is so important. Because it's our perception of opposites, because you think about it, in the centre, there are no opposites. But the further you go out, the more you have opposites, and the opposites cause the problem. And it's our willingness to engage with the reconciliation of opposites that is one of the solutions to the problem of being, getting back into the center of these things. It's our perception of those things which is causing the problems. And here's where I root you right back into the beginning of the Bible story. For the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the ones you stop Opposites being reconciled in one central place. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So if we fail to reconcile the opposites in life, the goods and the bads, the ins and the outs, the shoulds and the shouldn'ts, the did and didn't, the get and don't get, until we learn to reconcile those things, we will never live in the centre. Centeredness begins with Attention, awareness, and intention. It's called the middle way. Now what's interesting is that is the principle of a religion called Taoism. And and I have no embarrassment in saying to you, they're pretty good principles because I don't think just because we put the Christian tag over it, we've got the handle on all wisdom in the world. Because the whole earth, the Bible says, is full of his glory. And some people have caught that glory and put it under another label, but I'm still prepared to recognise that glory, where that glory shows up. And attention, first of all, I have to have an attention to what's going on. Then I have to have an awareness to what it is and what's creating it. And then I have to have an intention to do what's necessary to get to the middle way, to the centre, to true balance. I believe, in all honesty, that this is actually the ingrained message of the Bible. And it's at the heart of the words of Jesus, wanting to center us in the whole context of God and wanting to center us within ourselves. And so finding and living a centered life is the only place that one can avoid the hamster syndrome. So I've said to you many times before that um, if Jesus were on the earth now, he would not be talking about farmers and seed and sowing. He would be saying there was a guy called James May, who you all are familiar with from the TV, from what's the, what's the, Top Gear, Gear, from Top Gear, who we decided to put in a centrifuge in order to learn some lessons about the spinning of life about being centred in life. See, these are not far-fetched things that don't attach. These are today's versions of parables to try and help you by these means to understand the principles that if you will gather them into your life will cause you to experience a transformation because it's the God message. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's strange but What we saw from this video, and those who are listening haven't seen it yet or listened to this on podcast, we've watched him in a centrifuge. And the truth is that strange but predictable things happen when you do not live centred in the spinning thing called life. Because life's like that, but I say again, strange but predictable things happen when we do not live centred in this spinning thing called life. And as a leader of a church, as what you may call a pastor or whatever words you wish to use for that, I've witnessed this happening and still witness it happening and have a heart longing that said if only you would learn what it is to live in the centre, you would no longer be going through those experiences that are now causing you the problem. Observing what happens physiologically when you create this scenario mechanically could be described as a living parable pointing us through science to the need for something that can only be attained through spirit. And this machine is called a centrifuge. And the forces it creates are called G-forces. Now, I thought this was interesting. I read this, so made a note of it. The G-force, in G-force, the blood goes from the head to the feet. The world goes black and white As the G-forces climb, you sink further still into the seat. You can no longer see colour. Everything appears in black and white. There's an interesting lesson there, isn't there? Have you ever noticed the more you get into this, the more black and white the world becomes? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who you're offended at? Who you think is your friend? It becomes all very black and white. And all the colours... That, that, that are in the world, in creation, we lose all the colours, we lose the beauty, we lose the sense of a greatness, we lose the sense of there being order, we lose the sense of there being something behind and within and above and moving in it all because everything turns to black and white. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. Getting on the centrifuge of life, everything turned to black and white the moment they left the centre when they moved away from simply living at the tree of life and started to decide we are going to categorize things and we're going to categorize people and we're gonna categorize beliefs. And the moment they did that, you create extremes and what happens? Suddenly their world turns to black and white. And the problem is with Christianity, the further we move from the center, of Christ's actual existence and who he was and what he really came to do, before we turned him into a Jesus religion, we could see in colour. But the more we moved into that, everything became black and white. You're in, you're out. You've got it, you haven't got it. You're saved, you're unsaved. You're going to heaven, you're going to hell. Suddenly everything is black and white. But you see the centrality that comes when we find our way back to really the essence of who the Christ is, all of a sudden the world becomes colourful again. I find it fascinating that religions like the Hindu religion are so full of colours. I like that. There's other things I think are as, you know, they're as, they're as stupid as a, you know, a 10-shilling coin, but somehow they did get that bit of the colourfulness, and, and, and I think within this we have lost it because religion takes all of the truth and turns it into a black and white picture. And I spent too long of my life seeing the world in black and white. And all of a sudden, when it began to take on colours, it was quite scary. Everything appears in black and white. An instant later, the passenger next to you disappears from view. You become self-obsessed. And the leaders tell you to be self-obsessed with your own holiness, with your own... Righteousness with your own, I'll use Bible words, sanctification with your own achievement or non achievement. You lose sight of everything except in the black and white where you're able to criticize and condemn and judge. Your field of vision is shrinking, it now looks like you're seeing things through a pipe. Corners disappear from view as your peripheral vision disappears. The visual pipe's diameter is getting smaller and smaller. One of the things that had to break me out of where I was in my spiritual journey that has happened at great cost, but I'm glad it happened, is the pipe was getting smaller and smaller, and I could see less and less. And I did not understand the bigger picture of the world. I was looking through this pipe vision that had been created, not because I was living at the center, but because now I was living at the extreme and religions always live in the extreme of the circle Christ brings you back to the center that's why I said the message of Jesus has been hijacked to take you out on a peripheral but the message of the Christ brings you right back into the center where suddenly color comes back into your world and instead of the blood being rushing to your feet it comes back to your head Corners disappear from view of your peripheral vision disappears. The visual pipe's diameter is getting smaller and smaller. You sink into the seat further and further still as the number of G's climb further. In a flash, you see black. Not black and white, black. It's all gone. It's all done. You have just blacked out. Now, let me, let me show you how that applies to us. You are unconscious. Now, there's a great word, unconscious. If we change blacked out to unconscious, that starts to make more sense. So suddenly, on this track, if I'm not centered, I reach a point where I become Unconscious, I am not able to be conscious of the reality and the truth and the revelation that is always there for me, but now I have become unconscious because I have blacked out, because I'm living on the peripheral and not living in the center. And until the number of G's are reduced, the blood will not return to your brain. What if I were to say the true gospel returns blood to your brain? What does the true gospel do? It returns the blood to your brain. See, anything not located in the centre of a spinning object is subject to forces that are always throwing it outwards. They're always throwing it outwards. And the resistance to those forces creates scenarios and responses that affect our ability to remain fully functional. But did you notice the man in the centre? See, James May and the operator are both on the same centrifuge. They're not living in a different world, they're living in the same world. But if you notice, we kept flashing up the man in the center. He's not bothered, he's relaxed, he's at peace. The blood's not rushing to his feet, he hasn't lost his head, he's not seeing in black and white, he's not becoming unconscious. It's perfectly functional and content in the place that he is. There's some interesting verses in Bible that that really speak about this, I believe. Sort of, might seem a coded way, but it's the same thing. John 14 verse 20, Jesus said, On that day you will realize, you will be conscious of, that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you, and you think, what the heck is he talking about? He's saying, on that day that you become conscious, you will realize the centeredness that you are in the Father, the Father is in you, I am in you, but you are also in me, and you're also in the Father, and the Father is also in you. He's trying to draw attention. There is a place of centeredness where all of this comes together in one. And it comes together in you and it comes together in me. I love what James May says. He says, As the G increased, it forced the blood from my head to my feet just where I didn't need it to. It forced the blood from my head to my feet just where I didn't need it. Have you ever felt that the conscious energy that you need is being forced somewhere else where you don't need it? And instead of it being a deliverer, it is a creator of anxiety and of stress, like the winds we talked about the other week, the wind of peace or the wind of animosity, the wind of spirit or the wind of animosity. When that happens, metaphorically speaking, and I like this because this is why I like parables, the feet hold the power. And your feet are not supposed to hold the power. But you see, the feet always speak of going and running and doing. And what happens when the feet all the power is you're always going, you're always doing, you're always running. But what does that do? Go back to our first video. It makes the wheel go faster, and then the wheel starts going faster than your ability to run. And then you get thrown off, and you want to give it all up, and you don't know where God is, and you don't know where you are, and you don't know what's going on, and you know... The feet hold the power, and that's a perfect metaphor for how we respond to the spinning nature of life. We just keep running rather than thinking. Everything turns black and white. We develop tunnel vision. We feel pressure. We have an increasing, ever-increasing sinking feeling. We black out. We lose consciousness. Another thing I would say there is when you lose consciousness, conscience kicks in. So then, guess who becomes the one to blame? Oh well, I'm just rubbish. I'm just useless. I just don't know anything. I, I'm just. I'm. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm. You know. I'm. 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 I'm... You know, because conscience, and, and I hate the fact that in the Christian church, so much was made of conscience. It's destroyed people. We tried to use it as a tool to manipulate people to pray a particular prayer rather than to bring them to an enlightened place of consciousness about the goodness and presence of God within them because conscience always brings condemnation. Consciousness brings revelation. Cons- conscience brings condemnation. Consciousness brings revelation, which is why you're not going to hear any preaching about conscience here, but you're going to hear a lot about consciousness. So, everything about Jesus is the opposite to all that. Everything about Jesus is stop running, be still. Fear not, peace, rest, settle, relax, take the light burden, take the easy yoke, die to live. This is the emphasis of Jesus. Why, what was he trying to do? He's trying to pull us back to the centre. Pull us back to the centrality of the Christ who is in all things and has been in all things and will be in all things and he's still here and is the centre of all. Did you know that a wheel has to be balanced? Most of the guys, I don't mean that disrespect, will understand this from driving cars. A wheel has to be balanced. It's all about the weight distribution in relation to the center. And when anything is off center, it creates vibration. That's why sometimes your steering wheel vibrates because your tires, your wheels are out of balance. And it's often strong enough, if Dave will know this from engineering, and when things turn, whether you use them in machinery or whatever, it's often strong enough to shatter the parts of the object when they're unbalanced. It's called unbalanced. It's called out of balance. This is not balance as in standing at the centre of the fulcrum, you know, like on a seesaw. But it's as in placement within a circle or a cycle. Now, this is important because everything in creation works in circles and works in cycles. All of nature functions cyclically. Which is a great lesson to us about living in the center and reconciling, reconciling the opposites. The difference between Western and Eastern thinking is this that we lost the reality of the necessity to balance the whole. That's what we lost in Western thinking, because it became linear versus circle. You know, we're on the road to success. We're on the linear. We created in our understanding of Christianity, linear thinking. Well, you're born, you die. You go to hell, you go to heaven. We created linear thinking and we lost the understanding of the circle and the cycle. What's interesting to me is, is in the Jewish, in the Jewish calendar, that's a circle. It's done as a circle. The nice thing about circles is there is no beginning and no ending, which is why a Jew could say, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He wasn't meaning from there to there. It's meaning wherever you join the circle, it's the first, it's the last. It's the beginning, it's the end. It's the Alpha, it's the Omega. It's a continuance of life. And I know where this is going. Where this is going is good. But you've got to wait for the third section for that. And see, what we've tried to do in the West is find inner harmony from a linear perspective. We even turned the gospel into a linear transactional entity rather than a spiritually centering reality. And that's why the church drifted to sin and Savior and death rather than life and Christ. And a wonderful thing that I'm going to talk about in the next section called resurrection. Now, in respect to the practicalities of being centred, not only is it the wider image of, of God and Christ, but there's also the inner image of the fact that each one of you has a centre within you. And that centre is who you are. Not what you do, not what you have done, not what you should do, not what you will ever do, but it's the centre of who you are. And in the essence of the goodness of creation, however you wish to define that, I believe it's from the heart, the hand, the mind, the Word, the heart of God. That's me as a fully-fledged Christian believer. I believe that where it comes from. But I was always taught that right in the centre of me was evil. When actually the truth is not right at the centre of you is the God DNA, the God image. He created us in his likeness And in his image, that's called DNA. It's the God DNA at the centre of every man, every woman, boy or girl, whenever born, wherever born, by whom born. It's right there in the centre. But what we were always taught, I know some of us as we were raised, was about the sinful nature, the fall of man. When the truth is, if you read the Bible properly, which most people don't, this thing that we said was the root of our wickedness called original sin is not where the story starts. The story starts in Genesis 1 where it says he blessed them and said multiply, increase in number, fill, Rule, that's the beginning. That's what's at the core of you. Now, now, what interferes is when we cannot live at the centre or when we stop living at the centre, like I said to you, that's when we don't, cannot reconcile opposites. That's when black and white starts to take over and then we finish up on the edge of the wheel. So I believe the whole message of Jesus is really a catalogue of returning to centred living. Not come and join our church. It's a catalogue of living of 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 returning to centered living. Where you live from and not what you live for. See, many of you are too absorbed with what you living for. What are you living for? That's not the right question. The question is, where are you living from? Because it doesn't matter what you're living for. If you're living from the wrong place, then you'll be at the wrong place of the wheel. And it will be stress and anxiety and difficulty and failure and success mixed together. Then you won't be able to reconcile why it worked this time and didn't work that time. Why you got sick here, but you were okay there. where you got some money here, but now you were struggling there. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I've learned in all circumstances to be content, because it's not about what I'm living for, it's about where I'm living from. And the wonderful thing is, when you discover where you're living from, what you're living for becomes a multicolored, wonderful thing that's not driven by an obsession that touches on achievement and acceptance through achievement and success, which is where most of us live because what we're living for is all about how that will make us feel and how we will be accepted. Well, if you start from being accepted, and feeling who you really are, the I am, and knowing that you love, then the truth is you start living from, not living for. Do you get that? And I think things like the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you know, they called the Beatitudes. I I thought that was just a word. Well, it is a word, but it's a word that I didn't realize for like decades that it was the B attitudes. I thought it was like this thing, you know, it's like, it's the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. And it's like, no, it's the be attitudes as opposed to the do attitudes. So what Jesus was getting to, you guys are not centred. You're spinning on the wheel because you're living according to the do attitudes. But I want you to live according to the be attitudes, whom you be. And it pushes forward the idea that the critical journey of life is not the outward one, but the inward one. The resolving of and resting in the I am. I think it's wonderful that the gospel should have, through John's revelation, introduced us to the importance of Jesus declaring himself to be I am. And we talked about the fact that I am is a complete sentence, but we struggle with that because our doingness rather than our beingness thinks something should be added. I can't just say I am, I have to say I am successful, I am clever, I am educated, I am capable, I am trained. We can't just leave it that I am, but when you come to the I am and say, I don't need none of the do's to validate the bes. You're now living in the place of the I am that we were introduced to. And that's where Jesus wanted to bring that to a centred people are comfortable with I am as a complete sentence. And not only is it the inward of that, but it's the, what Jesus called the kingdom of heaven within. Where is the kingdom They said, it's not here and it's not there, Jesus said, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is where? It's within you. So where do you go? Not to heaven, not to God, you go within because that's where it is. The kingdom of heaven is within you. What was Jesus saying? If you'll centre yourself into the understanding of living from rather than living for and you come to that place in that centre, you'll be free in that place because you will understand the I am-ness of your existence and here's how it frees you if you're not quite getting that. How many of you live in the I was and I should be all the time? Correct me if I'm wrong. Why is it I was and I should be? Because you're on the wheel. Doesn't mean you're not loved, doesn't mean God's not with you, but you're living life on the wheel. You're not living life in the centre while ever you're thinking, but I was and I should be. And guess what? I'm gonna take another kick at the way I was raised. Everything was based on I was a sinner. I was a failure. I was unworthy. I was unlovable, but Jesus loved me. I should be holy. I should be more righteous. I should be better. I should be more loving. And so we live on the wheel when we're supposed to have been brought into the rest and the peace that is Christ and the centrality of it. If you do this from the place of faith, that, res- that, that resurrection is what flows from the spirit of the centre. Do this from the place of faith and resurrection is what flows from the spirit of the centre and you will thrive rather than survive. Now, if this is too bible for you, and Spellcheck doesn't like bible if this is too bible for you, think about this. Where do we find seeds in fruit? Where do we find seeds in fruit? At the center. And what do seeds offer? See, at the center of things is where you find the seeds of resurrection. Seeds are a message of resurrection. This fruit is going to rise again from the dead because of what is in the center. And resurrection will always be its portion. Why is it that fruit produces seeds, which produces trees, which produce fruit, that produce seeds, that produce trees, that produce fruit, that produce seeds? And suddenly we're living at the centre of that because at the centre is where you find the seeds of resurrection. Let me say to you, it is at the centre of your being where you will find the seeds of resurrection. It's at the center of God's truth that you find the seeds of resurrection. See, the story of divine incarnation, which is Christ the seed placed at the center of history, And the story of the resurrection should not be seen as a one-time anomaly in the body of Jesus. You've missed the point if you see resurrection as a one-time anomaly in the body of Jesus rather than the revelation of a universal pattern that is the heart of all things. I think the declaration found in a strangely named book called Lamentations... Yeah, and it is about as exciting as the name suggests. I mean, who writes a book called Lamentations? You would. I would. I asked for that one, didn't I? It's true. But this declaration that you find there in this book called Lamentations in the Old Testament of the Bible in Chapter 3 expresses for me what life feels like in the centre. And I think how interesting to find this in the middle of lamentations. See, all the lamentations is all about really when you have not reconciled opposites and you're living on the edge of the wheel. But all of a sudden, into this lament, there is a moment a moment of recognition. Suddenly, the blood which was all in the feet and we're trying to run, somehow has found its way to the head. And so he begins to express something that for me feels like the centre. And this is how he writes it. Because, the Lord's great, because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. And that's about womb. It's about being birthed. It's about you can't stop it coming out of the centre from the seed. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so we had a song. And the song summarizes it. And this is what was going around my head this morning as I was thinking about how to conclude this. And I like the way the song was phrased because I think it helps us. And this was the song. The steadfast love. Point number one. It's steadfast. It's not going anywhere It's not subject to circumstance. It's not subject to behaviour. It's not subject to deserving or non-deserving. The steadfast love. And actually, the Hebrew word is loving kindness. I like that. The steadfast loving kindness. I like the fact it's got this kindness element, is it? Because it kind of says, look, this is coming from a root of kindness, not from a root of obligation. Because again, I'm going to take a kick. I always felt God loved me out of obligation. He really did love me and I was thankful that Jesus died for me. But really, I was a worm and undeserving. But thank God he loved me anyway. You see, but, but it's like, where was the kindness? But somehow there is an ever-flowing kindness to all people in this. This steadfast love, this steadfast loving kindness of the Lord never ceases. You can't switch it on, you can't switch it off. It never ceases. It's inerrant in the whole of creation. Therefore, it's inherent in you, in your life, on your wheel. It's there. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. I like the fact that there are mercies on my life. Because what mercies talk about is whether you earned it, deserved it, should have it, shouldn't have it, or whatever. Mercies say you're getting it anyway. Mercies remove everything from the equation that disqualifies you, which is always in your own head, never in in God's heart, always in your head. Anything that disqualifies you is removed because those mercies never come to an end. They're happening right now. You're in a merciful place because they are new every morning. Not renewed, not reused, not second-hand, not borrowed, not refurbished. Brand new every morning, which means every day, every moment, there is a newness to all of this. Now that newness is resurrection. It means resurrection is happening every single day moment of every single day in the place where the mercies never come to an end and in the place where the steadfast love doesn't cease, which is right here and right now. And that's why he finishes with great is your faithfulness. Oh Lord, there is a great faithfulness to bring you to the centre where you will experience that steadfast love that never ceases, those mercies that never come to an end, and the newness of resurrection, never ceasing steadfast loving kindness, never-ending flow of mercies, a perpetual newness, an unbreakable faithfulness. So I pray this morning that you will be to use another analogy of circles. I pray that you will be sucked into the vortex of the reconciling statement which is the cross and find yourself a new living centred and in the centre of the whole of which you are part and in which you are, I am.
0: Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.